0: Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria, England.
1: Good morning, this is Radio Maria and Just Life. This morning we are joined in person by Dr. Kristin Williams. Good morning, welcome Dr. Kristin. Good morning. Thank you for cycling all the way on such a windy morning out to our studio on the edges of Cambridge. (laughs) Dr. Kristen is a PhD Japanese literature specialist from Harvard. She specializes in woodblock children's literature from the same period as many woodblocks which are currently in an exhibition in Cambridge University Library. And she has come to talk to us this morning about this exhibition. Dr. Christian, would you like to introduce yourself further and more eloquently than me? Hi,
2: thank you. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I've been at Cambridge University Library for six years now, or six years today, actually, um, as the head of the Japanese and Korean section. When I came, I didn't know much about the Japanese collections at the library and then realized um, as I read more about them and, and saw more of the collection that it's really one of the best Japanese um, rare book collections outside of Japan. So it was really exciting, uh, but but it had never been displayed to the public before. And I'm so excited to finally be able to share... These um, at least a few highlights from from the collection with the public.
1: Um, are, so, what is yeah. what is the name of of this exhibition? It's samurai history and legend. A samurai yeah. history and legend. And could you just say exactly what is samurai? <laughs> yeah, um, samurai.
2: I think are a well known image of Japan, but um, they're nearly as much legend as history. And um, what? What the word means in English is a bit different than what it has what it means now in Japanese, and it's also changed over over history um It usually suggests higher ranking Japanese warriors from around the twelfth to sixteenth century are members of the military ruling class from the seventeenth to nineteenth centuries uh, so I can talk a little bit more about that or uh, Please tell us about the exhibition. Yeah. Um, so, so the exhibition uh, focuses on the samurai and picks apart um, the historical facts as far as we can know them um, with the literary legends and artistic uh, representations that have grown up about them. Uh, the word samurai comes from the word sab- saburao, meaning to serve. Um, So the samurai started out as people serving the nobility and positions of authority, uh, like those commanding household guards or administering regional estates. But by the 12th century, some of these uh, servants had gained enough power to uh, challenge the authority of the nobility, and they played an important role in ruling the country until uh, the late 19th century. Um, So the exhibition is looking at this whole Whole range of history by picking out a few objects um, but especially we 're focusing on the late twelfth century, which was a a particular time of uh, warfare when the samurai first gained um, gained power over the country the that time the Genpei Wars and the Heiji and Hogan rebellions. Those come up in the war tales and the the histories, uh, but you'll see in the exhibition that some of the texts are very lyrical, um, and others are more like popular novels uh, illustrated with really colorful or elaborate illustrations, and and then we have some um, black and white manuscripts, that sort of thing. So there's a range. Of material,
1: um, what can someone expect when they when they arrive at the exhibition? Yeah, when when you walk in, we have some of
2: the most colorful um, pieces from the late nineteenth century, right near the front. Um, and I, I think that those late nineteenth century images are similar to what what we might expect. They're larger than life heroes, uh, big swords, lots of color. Um, as you go back further into the exhibition, we bring out more of the historical um, representations and the, the mix of history and legend there. I've tried to pick out a few samurai who, especially, um, their stories grow as it, as it goes from history into the literature. And one of those is Minamoto no Yoshitsune from the late 12th century. So we actually have a board game of his life he goes from being a historical figure to eventually um, a, someone in a board game like Snakes and Ladders, where you can roll a die and then go to different scenes in his in his life. Uh, very playful.
1: And um, for anyone who doesn't know where Cambridge Library is, how can we how can we find the exhibition? Thank you.
2: It's. The exhibition is in uh, Cambridge University Library, which is the main building on West Road. Um, depending on where you are in Cambridge, uh, it, it can be easy to see. There's it's the one with the tall, kind of scary tower, uh, which is all full of books. But um, but if you're closer to the river, you may not you may not see it as well. It's near um, Queen's Road. At, at, as you go in, it's just to the right uh, before you before you enter the library itself. So it's free
1: and open to the public. Thank you so much. I think we're gonna have a short music break now. listening to Radio Maria. This is just life and that is some ancient Japanese music. We are joined this morning by Dr. Kristin Williams who is a specialist from Harvard in Japanese literature and she is the curator of the Samurai Exhibition at Cambridge University Library and she's here this morning in person to tell us all about the exhibition itself and more about samurais and Japanese art and history. Back over to you, Dr. Kristen. Thank you. The, the music you've just heard is um,
2: an example of gagaku. Uh, that's a uh, form of music that originally came from China but is associated with the Japanese imperial court now and was the one of the key types of music that the samurai in the 12th century would have listened to it comes up in the manuscripts and um and the histories and uh war tales of of the uh 12th century battles um the samurai were often uh flute players Uh, that comes up in the war tales as well so we have illustrations of samurai playing music in the um in the exhibition, but it's it's nice to hear it because it's a bit different from what you might think of as flute music or or um, old music in general. Um, and we have uh, one one book that, that I like that has illustrations of how the costumes would have looked for that type of dance and music. Uh, that's one of the things that we've tried to do with the exhibition is to show more of the samurai culture, more of uh, Japanese history than just men with swords. One of the things that we've brought out uh, relates to Buddhism. Uh, at the time in in the 11th and 12th and, and centuries, and, and through the medieval period, uh, Buddhism was very important, especially the Lotus Sutra. And one of the real highlights of the exhibition is a late 11th century Lotus Sutra uh, written in gold on um, precious paper uh, dyed in indigo. At the time, people showed religious devotion by chanting the sutras, but also by copying them out. And it's one of the ways that woodblock printing started in East Asia was to reproduce the sacred words. Woodblock printing um, becomes very big in the uh, 17th century in Japan, and you start to have literature and histories and more people being literate. And it's from that time that a lot of the books in the exhibition uh date date two. Um they became very creative with it. You have a lot of illustrations. The the process of woodblock printing is sort of sort of like you you might think of stamping almost. Uh, but what would happen is that a calligrapher would write out the text, and an illustrator might might do the illustration, and then create the perfect copy. That would be put on a block of wood, uh hardwood, and then carved around to make a relief drawing. They'd put ink on that and then lay a sheet of very thin paper on it and, and rub that to transfer the image. So it's a very intensive project project to make that, but you could make hundreds of thousands of copies of, of things. And it, it's through that that these stories of the war tales, stories of the samurai, uh, become distributed beyond the warrior class themselves and, and uh, to a broader audience. And then get picked up in uh theater different forms of theater and and other cultural things like the like the um board game or or like art
1: i think I think we could have some more music now thank you dr. Kristin. That's absolutely fascinating. We are going to have another piece of Japanese music and Christine will tell us about it afterwards. Here it is. You are not in Japan, you are Lin in um listening to Radio Maria in Cambridge, despite the sound of these this Japanese music this morning. We are joined by Doctor Kristen Williams, a Japanese expert who has joined us from Cambridge University Library. She is the curator of the Samurai Exhibition, a free exhibition at the University Library. It's absolutely fascinating. It's got the most Beautiful website, www.cam.ac.uk. Have a look at it. And um, after the next piece of music, I will be opening the phone lines. If you have any questions for Dr. Christian this morning about anything about Japan or the exhibition or um, the 17th century woodblocks, the number to call will be oh one two two three three seven five five six foot please do give your feedback we always love to hear from you back over to you dr Kristen. thank you
2: um one of the things if you if you do go to the exhibition website uh one of the pictures you'll see is from a book of samurai cats uh the the title is um is cat theater of that that book uh, but people have really been interested in in these cats. Those are from the very late nineteenth century. It's a miniature book, and um, you have cats dressed up as samurai, carrying swords and striking poses. Um, I, I didn't want to put it in the exhibition, but all my coworkers loved it so much that uh, that we had to put it in. Or they're they're cute, uh, a little different than than you would expect, but I think that they show the way that. Looking back into history, um, people took the stories, took the ingredients of history, and made their own their own thing of it so it's very playful uh some of the later later things are in the twelfth century of course it was the the battles were very real and uh, connected with with the civil wars and and things happening in the country. but by the late nineteenth century uh as the the Samurai themselves are phased out in the 1870s and a national army is brought in. By that time, they have the space to look back and be playful with, um, you know, animals dressed up in costume and and other things. Uh, The music that you heard uh, was the shakuhachi. The shakuhachi is a a woodwind instrument um, that is associated with uh, traveling artists and and uh, sometimes with Zen Buddhism, there would have been what, one of the things that comes up a lot in the stories of, of samurai is flute playing, not the shakuhachi particularly, but flutes. There was something that you could carry as you're traveling on a horse or or into battle. Um, so it's nice to get a sense of what that music um, might have sounded like, both in the gagaku and, and in the shakuhachi. I tried to highlight some of the cultural aspects uh, that that were outside of this man with a sword image. Uh, one of the things that we have is a 16th century manuscript uh, with illustrations of flowers, uh, directions from a master to a disciple on how to arrange flowers for different occasions. This isn't a samurai manuscript itself, but it shows um, the start of an art art form that became important to samurai and, and there were samurai later who practiced uh the art of flower arranging today we think of flower arranging as something feminine maybe girls would do but back in the day it was um it was a serious art form and it was also something that was deeply connected to buddhist practice you you might display flowers with incense and a candle uh and then have that in a place where you were practicing devotion. I think. Well, I've already told you about my my favorite is is the uh, board game, um, but one of the one of the stories that comes out in the um, in the exhibition is not only the samurai and the woodblock printing and print culture, but also the story of the collection. How did we end up with this amazing collection of Japanese books and Japanese manuscripts in Cambridge, which is, as, as we've heard, not not in Japan? Uh, at the end of the 19th century, uh, the British established uh, relationships, uh, established a relationship with Japan for the first time on a um, sent a legation there, and they didn't have any Japanese speakers to go with them. Uh, they sent some very young men in their 20s and told them to learn the language and be interpreters. And so the two of those interpreters gathered their own libraries as they learned the language and then used that to start Japanese studies and pass the books to the library um, later around 1911.
1: That's absolutely fascinating, Dr. Christine. Can you tell us a bit about how you personally got involved or we can hear from your voice you're from the States how you got so involved in uh Japanese culture. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear. Yeah, I um I guess it's a bit odd to um
2: come from the US to the UK in order to do things related to Japan, but but that's what happened. Uh when I was in the US as a teenager, uh, my family hosted a Japanese exchange student and had a good experience with her and then because my father was in the Navy, we had an opportunity to suggest a place that we would like to move. We had to move um, every couple of years anyway. Uh, so we requested a base in Japan and then were able to move there as a family and meet our exchange students family, travel around the country. I finished high school there and then continued to study the language in university, went back to Japan as an English teacher
1: um, and then
2: to postgraduate study.
1: That's amazing. Um, can you see any elements in Japanese culture today that are, you know, related to what you've been talking about? What kind of things are still echo- echoing down through the centuries? Oh,
2: that's a really, that's a really hard one. I I think, I sometimes think people are too quick to make connections. Oh, you know, the ancient spirit of this and that. Um so much has happened since the 19th century you know obviously with the the wars and um the disruptions and of course the technology has changed so much it's one of the reasons that i studied the 17th through 19th century because the 20th century is just so um i I think so so hard to look at in a way some of it um but i think that the the playfulness of imagery is is something that comes out and these these historical figures do show up in literature and art today. They they do come up in um, manga and anime the animated uh, cartoons and just like they did in the 18th and 19th century each person who comes to it makes their own um, makes their own story out of it.
1: I think we're going to have another piece of music. Um, Here it is. You are listening to Just Life on Radio Maria. I need to give you the phone number if you would like to call in. We would love to have some questions for Dr. Kristin, who has shared her fascinating story of how she became involved in Japanese culture, and from Harvard to from Japan to Harvard to Cambridge. She is here now at Radio Maria this morning. If you would like to speak to her, please call oh one two two three three seven five five six four if you have any questions about the exhibition the samurai exhibition at the university of cambridge library or any questions about japanese culture she would be most willing to answer your questions or any feedback about her talk this morning have got John on the line. John, can you hear me? Uh, Yes, I'm here.
3: John is calling all the way from Japan.
1: Good morning, John. Yeah. Dr. Christian can hear you and you're on air.
3: Oh, thank you. Hello, Christine. Uh, Well, um, my wife is Japanese and I've been living in Japan for 13 years. Um, What I would like to ask you and... Well, I mainly ask your opinion about, before you mentioned Buddhism, you know, uh, as you know, Buddhism is is a kind of philosophy and not religion. Um, I'm not a fan of it, of course, as a Christian, but um, what I would like to say, um, there's a big change recently in Japan uh, in Buddhism. So it's uh, becoming more a form of New Age. Mm -hmm. Uh, with uh, associated practices, which I'm not going to name now, because it's a very sensitive subject. Uh, So many Western people, you know, they adhere to these practices. Uh, So, you know, uh, what do you think, you know, the kind of Buddhism uh, of Japan is Shinto, uh, which is very different from the Chinese Buddhism, you know. And um, yeah, so it's very much associated with New Age. Uh, I would like to know uh, to hear your opinion about that. Thank you.
1: That does sound like a very sensitive topic for uh, for uh, Dr. Christian. Have you got anything you can say about that? Well,
2: I can tell you a little bit more about Buddhism in the in the earlier periods, um, which I think might help to contextualize. Um, yeah, please do. Yeah, so at the um I mentioned the Lotus Sutra. I think that we do hear people talk about Buddhism as a philosophy now, but back in the 11th century, the 12th century, I think it really you you can think of it as more of a religion. Uh there's monasteries and and um people spending their lives in in prayer, uh copying out the sutras this act of of copying the sacred words uh was very important to practice then i think
3: we you know that i you know, know what that shinto never n- you know shinto never had a doctrine mm. so there is no book about Shintoism. Well, so the religion, you know, you called it a religion. In fact, it's never been a religion. I see. You but know, Even back in the day. And um, yeah. I I think you mm, can,
2: it, I think that you go can. Go ahead, go ahead. I think you can distinguish uh, Shinto and, and Buddhism a bit more. Uh, what they were practicing at the time, uh, you know, in the 12th century, times like that, <laughs> This was a Buddhism that had come from um, originally from China, maybe via Korea, of course, but um, very rooted in sacred texts and in, in the sutras and the, the physical act of copying the act of, of saying the words was very important uh, to, to the practice then. So, so it's a different, we're, we're living in a very different time and even Shinto, uh, as people have read back into history, there's a, there's big shifts that take place in the 18th century, and then later in the 19th century and the 20th century, um, Shinto becomes yeah. a way for the uh, Japanese government around uh, the shift of power at the end of the 19th century to separate themselves from the Buddhist institutions that had gained a lot of power by exactly. that time. So there's a it's whole.
3: It's becoming. It's, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's there's a yeah, whole yeah, yeah. it's whole becoming history it's becoming a it.
3: part of politics. Yeah, it's, but that... it's becoming part of politics basically. It's the politics of you know, if you want to be a Japanese politician, you have to be to adhere mm. to a Shinto to a Shinto um, fellowship, basically. I, basically I think,
2: yeah. yeah, but that, that shift happened... well, shifts happen at a number of places um in history and 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 I think contextualizing that looking back to different periods can help us understand how it might be quite different now even if i i can't really speak to new age um but but i can say that that it is more connected to to texts to prayer and and to um things that we would recognize as more religious in the past
1: thank you that's absolutely fascinating well
3: i I... I finish with that. uh, uh, Just the last, the very last thought, I just want to say that uh, the contemporary New Agers nowadays, they come to Japan in big numbers Mm
4: -hmm. because
3: they enjoy so much these these, uh, religious, if you want to call them like this, practices. In fact, they are pagan practices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, New Age is becoming very much the new form of Japanese Buddhism nowadays. You see, um, Christine, you are talking about history and I am talking about uh, uh, recent days, you know, because I've been, I'm living now in Japan. So I'm telling you how Buddhism is now. So it's important, you know, to make the difference, you know, between uh, the Buddhism of a thousand years ago and the Buddhism of today which are two totally different things yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you john I, I let you i let you go i listen on the radio okay. I let thank you, go. you so Sorry much for your to... input
1: thank you but
2: uh, if i could just yeah please what i i think one one of the reasons that um buddhism might appeal to new age the more um the the kinds of people that john described is that they, they don't have a sense of the history of buddhism they're only picking up the parts that that they see most most obviously when when you enter into the the full history of it, you,
1: you get a different picture, and it's harder to it's harder to pick and choose. I think but- it's certainly very inter- interesting from the historical perspective. Um, if you have a question for Doctor Kristen this morning, please do give us a call. The number is o one two two three three seven five five six four. You don't need to be in Japan to give to ring in thank you john for calling all the way from japan and for your input this morning oh one two two three three seven five five six four and we're going to have a little bit more japanese music This is Just Life, Radio Maria. We have Dr. Kristen Williams and we have Helena on the line with a question for Dr. Kristen. Helena, Hi, Dr. Kristen.
0: Hi. Hello, Dr. Hello, everyone. I have three little boys that would love to learn about samurais and would, I think, I'm not sure. Do you think this is an appropriate exhibit for a nine-year-old, a six-year-old or a three-year-old to come see?
2: Yes, I we have um tried to avoid really um graphic images of violence. I mean Oh they love graphic images. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There there is a little bit. Um but we've we've tried to make this accessible. Um I realize that people aren't going to most people aren't going to read historical Japanese texts, even if they read modern Japanese. Um so with each of the manuscripts I've I've tried to pair things with text with things with pictures, so there everywhere in the exhibition there's some sort of visual element. There's a lot of color and illustration, um, so I think that even if they can't read, there will be things that they they can enjoy. So I hope that they can come.
0: When we went to the British Library to see their Elizabeth and Mary exhibit, mm-hmm. we watched um, horrible histories <laughs> about about that time period. Is there any any kind of film, maybe for my children, maybe for myself, that I could watch to really get in the mood or get my mind frame before I come into the exhibit?
2: Oh, wow. I've, so I'm not the best person to talk about movies, but I think that, um, well, depending on the, there's a lot of samurai movies out there. Um and a lot of them do have a lot of uh violence. Kurosawa films, of course, will have a lot of um there's there's a lot of samurai films there. Samurai films that are appropriate for a three-year-old. I I may have to think <laughs> about that one. Um, but I, I think that you could Google there will be um that there, there will be uh animated or or interesting uh samurai um films out there but but i'm afraid i i i don't off the top of my (laughs) head no worries
0: no worries oh and i've got one more question all right so i'm thinking maybe 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 i don't take the kids forget the kids maybe i go on a date uh, like a day date with my husband (laughs) to see this so we watch uh samurai there's a couple of tom crew i'm not going to suggest (laughs) to me but samurai movies the night before and then the day we go yeah. we're like whoa we saw this oh they talked about it. oh look
4: at that cat afterwards
0: do you have any places in cambridge just maybe where we could have some japanese food or anything to, to, <laughs> to round up the exhibit
2: ah yeah um there's um Yo sushi is not far from the cambridge university library you could walk there in about five minutes and they have the um the conveyor belt with the sushi going around so that might be fun um and uh there's also a a Japanese dessert place uh, a few doors down from that. But I'm sorry, I've, for- I've forgotten the name, but um in that area by um near the market square. Uh is there so-
0: anything oh I've got I'm so, I'm so sorry, I'm so interested in the <laughs> perfect day Found out with this exhibit. And then is there anything since you listen in Japan? is there anything I could make at home? Maybe, so if I don't take my kids, but I, is there anything I could make at home with the, with my friends to so maybe, oh,
2: yeah. Is there any, Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of, uh, Japanese recipes online. Um, one website that I've, that I've made things from is just one cookbook, uh, that has, um, some homemade Japanese food recipes. and but uh chicken chicken katsu curry uh, mm-hmm. is one thing that you could make. It's a little bit tricky because you have to um, deep fry the chicken um, but uh, I think in Japan, um, curry rice is often something that you make for children um, the Japanese curry is very uh, sweet and mild um, so that that is something that that I make sometimes chicken curry oh recommend. thank you'. I'm like, and, <laughs> and i don't have to book tickets it no no it's it's free you can just you can just walk in so you can come twice if you want you can bring your kids and then walk out again if you think it's it's uh that's not not quite right for them but as far as oh. the kurosawa films um he has uh w- one that it might be a bit violent but um Ran Ran is is one that is based on Shakespeare but set in medieval Japan. That's it's a bit violent but it but it is quite interesting what he's done with it. Shakespeare and Samurai. Oh, I love it. Oh,
1: thank you Dr. Kristin. Thank, thank you. you Helena, that's a great question. When I Google Japanese Cambridge food, there's a lot of places actually coming up, so it's a brilliant idea to uh have a trip, have an afternoon out. The sticks and sushi. Uh, kineya mugi maru wasabi sushi sushi mania. So you one never has a boring time, particularly in the centre of Cambridge. Thank you so much for your questions this morning for Doctor Kristen. You. We actually have another caller on the line. Let me put them through. Good morning, Sarah. You're through to Doctor Kristen.
0: Good morning. Hi,
1: Kristen. Hi.
0: Um, I'm looking forward to um, a curator for tomorrow. And okay. I just wanted to ask you, um, are, are there going to be regular curator tours taking place over the course of the exhibition and, and how would somebody book onto them?
2: If you go onto the events page, um, events and exhibitions pages of the Cambridge University Library, I think that we have... Um, a public tour about once a month. Um, if those all fill up, we'll, we'll see if if there might be more. We also have um, some online talks. There's one on the 3rd of February that, that you can uh-huh. sign on to um, on the history of Japanese books in 17th century England, mm. how they got there. We've got one of the first Jap- Japanese books to reach England uh, is in the exhibition, and we'll hear a bit more from uh, Professor Kornitsky about why why there were Japanese books at that time. But yes, and I, I think there may even be an event for children there um, on the events page. So Great. I would check that out. Many thanks. I'm really looking forward to it and uh, congratulations on the exhibition.
0: Thank
1: you. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. I'm also looking Bye-bye. forward. Thank you. Thank you for calling also, That's okay. thank you. Bye. I'm also looking forward to the exhibition and uh, looking forward to bumping into Helena and her boys there. If you have a question or any feedback for Dr. Kristen this morning, we have a couple more minutes. The number is five, six, four. In the meantime, I'll just play a little bit more Japanese music. While we wait for your call. That is a very interesting piece of Japanese music to get us into the mood for the Samurai exhibition at Cambridge University Library. We are joined this morning by Dr. Kristen Williams, the curator of the exhibition and an absolute expert in everything Japanese. And I've got a question for her. I can't say I'm a too much of an expert. What I associate with Japan is Hokusai. I've always loved Hokusai and particularly the wave. I remember when I left school, we had to do a yearbook and that was, uh, we had to do a page and a drawing and I drew a picture of the big Hokusai wave and I was sitting underneath it. So I have always loved Hokusai. Last year I had a Hokusai calendar. Is it how does Hokusai relate to this, these woodblocks that you've been talking about?
2: Yeah, one of the great things about woodblock as opposed to movable type is that it's easy to integrate text and illustration. So you have books done by illustrators. Two of the books in the exhibition are by Hokusai. Um, One that we have out now um, shows sketches of archers in different poses. And another shows the last battle of of one of the famous samurai. We will be changing the openings halfway through the exhibition. Uh, Some of the books have color printing or, or color illustrations that would be damaged by too much light. So you can see the current pictures from Hokusai and and come
1: back later uh, to see more. I also very much loved the pillow book of Shonagon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her oh, name right. Shonagon, yeah. How, is there any kind of poetry or any, you know, much Japanese writing in the exhibition? There is a lot of Japanese writing
2: dis- displayed in the exhibition, but um, but not as much... Uh, translated in the captions. We tried Mm -hmm. to make it as as visual as possible. There's a lot of uh, Japanese poetry that you can find online, um, and there are excerpts from some of the stories in the captions. One uh, that I think is particularly interesting is a a bit from the tale of Heike, one of the war tales, um, describing a female warrior
1: uh, could ride the wildest horse down the steepest slope, or... Oh my gosh. That's um, what I need. A <laughs> bit of inspiration from a Japanese female yeah. warrior.
2: But but not as much poetry in this. uh but the samurai were making poetry. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't always uh translate and quite uh, it's it's difficult to translate poetry, but um but that was part of the educated culture that that they would have um uh, enjoyed. Actually, the music that we've this last piece of music that we've we've listened to uh, is from a no play. No was a form of theater, especially associated with the samurai in the later centuries. And it is very poetic, uh, the, the words that are spoken. um so they they turned the war tales into poetry and then uh, and then
1: into dance and, and theater. That's just a bit difficult to to translate. Uh huh. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Dr. Kristin Williams, curator of Samurai History and Legend at Cambridge University Library. The exhibition began just a few days ago and runs until the 28th of May. Incredibly, it's free. Can I just ask you, how do you manage to run a free exhibition?
2: We have support from the um, Sasakawa Foundation for some of the conservation, from the Friends of the Library and um, from, I think, the the Milstein uh, Foundation as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is something that that we're happy to be able to provide to the public for free.
1: It's an incredible exhibition. If you want to find out more, just look on the Cambridge University website, cam.ac dot uk samurai and legend we have no excuse not to go it's running until may it's free it's right in the center of cambridge there are japanese eats nearby have you got anything else to say to our listeners in closing this morning dr Kristen? uh just just uh to thank you for for having
2: me and thank you for the the questions um i look forward to seeing everyone at the
1: exhibition Thank you so much, Dr. Kristen. You have been listening to Just Life on Radio Maria. This morning we were joined by Dr. Kristen Williams of Cambridge University Library.